People first companies understand that employees are their most valuable asset. These forward thinking companies treat all of their people practices, especially hiring, as strategic rather than administrative functions. I'm Donald Knight, Chief People Officer at Greenhouse, and this is People First, a podcast celebrating the work of leaders dedicated to building people first cultures. We're kicking off this season with not one, not two, but three amazing leaders. I'm chatting with Forum Chef, Chief Coaching Officer and Co-Founder of Amalavida, Paul Saidi, Director of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion at Uber, and Will Leahy, VP of People Development and Business Partners at Greenhouse. We'll talk about how to prioritize inclusion in the face of world challenges. We also discuss why inclusion and people-first mindset go hand in hand. Please welcome Forum Chef, Paul Saidi, and Will Leahy. I'm surrounded by so many phenomenal leaders uh, for the People First podcast. Uh, But first up, if we could just say your name and what company you're with and how you contribute in a meaningful way at that company, uh, we'll start with you. Thank you, Donald. Uh, I'm Paul Saidi. I'm working at Uber. I'm a director of diversity, equity, inclusion, and I help also drive our racial equity leadership commitments for the organization. And People First is in my DNA. It's what I was raised to do, and it's what I bring to DEI. And for me, it's about seeing people for who they are, not just what they do. That's like the core of it for me. Man, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for that. I should have asked you what people first means to you, but you've already answered that. <laughs> you already knew. Yeah. So uh, we'll continue with the intros, yeah. and I will ask what does people first mean to you as well. Okay. I'm Forum, uh, Forum Shait. I am the chief coaching officer and co-founder of Amala Vida. And what people first means to me is that it's about being seen and feeling heard. I'm glad you're here too. Me too. And then last but not least, the guy who I envy your hair for so many times. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so the good. Swoop is on point today. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Good volume there. Thank you. You're welcome. We're, we're starting off really. I like this. All right. So uh, more compliments, please. Uh, my name is Will Leahy, and I am the VP of People Development and Business Partners at Greenhouse. And People First to me means what are people saying about the place they work when they're at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. That's what it means to me. That is where the realest talk happens. That's talk true. to somebody's partner, talk to their kids, talk to their mom, what they're saying about the company. That's the measuring stick for me on People First. I love that. Love that. I like that all of you have a unique perspective on what it means to be People First. So many companies right now are like struggling with what that actually means. And they're grappling with this idea that are they actually living up to that expectation? Like when you think about I'm a La Vida Forum, like how are you navigating that that call to action or that commitment to being people first? Particularly, like, are there like initiatives that you're doing or like yeah. how do you see that show up every day? That's a really good question. I mean, we're a coaching company. And so our whole business runs on the idea of companies who think about their people, that they give a shit. What I think is a misstep is where people can be so focused externally, as you should be, because we're all in a business. We care about making money as leaders, as business owners, and also your business only survives because of your the people you have. So instead of looking externally first, look internally. Meaning whatever you would do for your customers when you go out of your way for them, do the same thing for your employees. So you ask, what do we do internally? Well, first, we believe that everyone should have a coach. That starts with our team, too. 
We call them ambassadors. So they're our coaches coach. So including our coaches who are contractors, they also get a coach. And that's on Amalavita because we believe in making sure that you feel invested in. Because the moment you do, you're going to go above and beyond. We have nine culture commandments at Amalavita. The ninth one that everyone remembers is called give a shit. If I give a shit about you, you're going to give a shit about me. And you're going to show up even if I don't even ask you for it. I would love to build off of that. So I'm currently reading Cast by Isabel Wilkerson. And one of the things that it has me thinking about is every company's people first. The question is which people and Mm -hmm. when. And that's the kind of question that I'm starting to think about, right? So when initiatives roll out, when we're solving business problems, when we're solving HR problems, DEI issues, every time we're in one of those rooms as leaders and as teammates, we're making decisions about which people we're putting first, right? And so really, you know, as a business, you have to build products, you have to help consumers, you also have to take care of your employees inside. So how do we get people to think more intentionally about which people we're putting first when and being really articulate about why? And so that book has really inspired me to think about that, right? Because we're doing it already. It's just who are we doing it for and in what context? So it makes me think a lot about you all taking the initiative, Give Everyone Coaches is totally doing that. You know, how do we think about that when we're in a product meeting? How do we think of that when we're in the middle of an HR development conversation? You know, how are we making that that calculation? When you say each company is people first, so many people might be listening to this and wondering, like, how do they know if they're focusing on the right people? Can you give an example? Because, look, you sit in a space where you're every day focused on inclusion, diversity, equity, allyship. What does bad look like? Mm. How does a leader know that we're focusing our our attention on the wrong people or we're not investing in the right people? What does that look like from your perspective, Paul? I think in a healthy organization, people will tell you. I think even in unhealthier, less healthy or less inclusive organizations, people tell you, but they don't tell you directly. They tell you through what you were referring to as around the dinner table and what they sort of say or what they might put on blind or any of these anonymous reporting platforms. I think in healthy organizations, conflict is good. Talking about what's not working and working and empowering people at all levels to do that is good. So I think that at the core, you're being told no matter what, are you listening Mm. is the real question. And again, I do think everyone's focused on people. It's just which people are they putting first? And I, you know, I've started to introduce that in a couple conversations I've had and people sort of just sit back and I'm like, it sounds like you're putting these stakeholders first. Have you thought about this? And they'll, you know, the leadership reaction is sort of just to sit and ponder with it. And I think that, you know, the conflict and the the not having an answer there is actually a good thing, right? Because I think we don't think intentionally about it. I think we think sort of monolithically. This is revenue generating. This is people. This is an HR thing. So it's people focused. No, I think both sort of overlap. Yeah. Yeah. Will, I know you subscribe to this idea and so do I around, ultimately this starts with hiring. If you want to make sure that you're influencing people or putting people first, it starts at the very beginning. Why is that so important to you? Because you haven't been at Greenhouse forever, right? Why is this so important to you as a VP of development, as a VP of business partners? I mean, that's the first thing. I got to spend time working at LinkedIn, and that was when I was first exposed to the power of hiring. It's a big reason I'm at Greenhouse. But getting the right people in the door, everyone knows that's important. But doing that in a structured, equitable way 
it's not just about that's the right thing to do, but you're actually going to get the best talent by doing that. And mm-hmm. if you talk to the best people at Greenhouse, the first thing you're going to say is that was the best hiring process I've ever had. And they stick around longer when they have that experience. And so being people first starts with the first time they see a marketing campaign from you. It starts from the first job posting. They get to the job posting. How did that make them feel? Did they feel like, I feel included. I feel seen just reading a job post. And then the first person they talk to, how do they feel? And then the next person. And then once they're there, the onboarding, all of that matters. So when you get into like real programmatic development, they've already come with all of that people first experience. You're just in a way better spot. And it starts with the very first conversation they have which sometimes isn't with a real person. It's with a job posting. Yeah. Uh. There's something you said about the experience. And there's this really good podcast, The Heath Brothers. They talk about the power of moments. Mm-hmm. Any moment that you have, whether that be a, a wedding, a death, first day on the job, if that's a peak experience, meaning someone was there for you, you will always attribute that to that company, to that person, making you more loyal, making you want to stay there. And also that's then the lens in which you look at everything moving forward. So you're building the strong foundation saying, this is the expectation at Greenhouse without you actually saying it. Yeah. And it, it, it it's the hard stuff. So people first is a very joyous, happy thing to talk about. But when people first really, the rubber hits the road is during the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's no shortage of hard stuff right now. And so the people first lens, and you talk about these moments, they're like flashbulb moments. It's the peaks, which is I've started a new job. I got promoted, whatever it is. But it's also the hard shit. It's a hard shit. And they're going to remember that too. In fact, even more, and you talk about the dinner table conversation, what are they talking about? How are they treated? How do they feel? Was there transparent communication? Did I have the support that I needed in the hard stuff? People first actually shines there, I think, better than anywhere else. What's fascinating about this conversation is it's real similar to the way I coach and talk about inclusion, right? So when people are like, this is inclusive, this is not inclusive. I was like, no, first of all, things are more inclusive or less inclusive, right? But what I often will tell folks is when you leave a meeting, an interaction, an interview, anything, you either feel more included or not. You know what you feel. It's a feeling that you have. And so when I'm talking about people leading in those rooms, I usually ask them, what are you doing to make sure that when someone's leaving in their home and their partner or their friend asks them, how was your day? You're engineering for how they feel and what they think about that experience. So it's sort of, but I, I, you know, I don't think about it as people first. I think about it as inclusion because that's the world I live in, but it's very similar, right? It's that experience is such an important part of it being real. How do you champion that? And I'm curious to get all your takes on this. How do you champion that in the face of challenges, right? Like, Will, you kind of hinted towards this, but like, There's so many people that are focused on the social issues that are coming into the workplace. Mm. People are trying to navigate that. You have the economy. And what does that look like for being cyclical? Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. That creates its own host of challenges. You have people that are trying to figure out their own wellness. And how do they put themselves first from a mental health perspective? So, like, I agree with you around the champion people and being inclusive. But, like, those challenges are real. I don't have all the answers, Donald, but I will speak to <laughs> I will speak to something that I do really believe in in this regard. Okay. On the worst days, it's like showing up to like a weightlifting competition, but you like picked up a dumbbell for the first time, like the day of the competition. 
inclusion and I think putting people first is about what you're doing when nothing's going on, when the world's not on fire, when there's not some some big tragedy that's sort of polarizing and activating everyone. And it reminds me of an experience I had a really long time ago at a tech company when some horrific social tragedy was going on and a leader went up to an employee that he had worked with for eight years. And there's a black employee and a white leader. And he put his arm on his shoulder and he was just like, hey, how are you doing? Like, how are you holding up today? And the employee was sharing this experience at a, at a town hall with the whole company and basically said that he didn't like that interaction because it was the first time that that manager that he'd worked with for eight years had ever asked him that. Mm -hmm. And it happened to be on one of the worst days for him based on what was going on in the world. And he's like, it would have meant so much more and I would have answered the question if he had ever asked that question anytime in the eight years that we had worked together. And I think about that story and it, for me, it's what are you doing in the quiet moments? What are you doing when no one's looking? How are you operating with a people first, integrity, mind, focus all the time? It makes the nuances and the complexity of the overlapping crap that we have to deal with as human beings on this planet right now, infinitely easier if you're used to having those conversations out of crisis, out of the complicated racial polarized moment that we're in and that we're navigating. So for me, I think it's about what we're doing when nothing's happening that affects what happens when things are really bad. Yeah. It's part of the answer. <laughs> no, I agree with that. I think to your point, if that's the first time, there's no proximity that has been built. And so even if someone has good intentions, it doesn't feel as genuine because it's like this is your first time even attempting mm -hmm. some type of uh, level of encouragement or support. Like Forum, what does that look like for you? Your, your team is coaching many of the leaders that are saying, I'm trying to navigate these challenges. So like, how do you coach them? How do you encourage the folks that are listening right now that are trying to figure out, I want to be people first, but I'm also going through my own change continuum when it comes to all of these challenges? Yeah. You can't pour from an empty cup. Mm. So the thing about this is you can't, uh, we were talking, you know, at dinner, we were talking about this concept of when you're constantly in a place, especially as leaders, I feel like mid-level leaders right now are in the worst spot. Yeah. Shit rolls downhill. They're getting pressure from executives and they have to figure out how to enable their managers so that they can enable their teams. Preach. And that's really hard. But if you're constantly feeling like everything is weighing in on you, you can't show up the right way. So first things first, look inward and make sure you're taking care of yourself, whatever that looks like. And I'm not talking about drastically leaving to go on a 10-day retreat. Just take care of you in these small micro moments. What you were talking about, Paul, I'm like, this is all about culture to me. Mm -hmm. People first is about culture. It's not a one-time action. It's just part of your DNA. Mm -hmm. And it's part of your DNA as a person. It's part of your DNA as an organization. And that takes everyone drumming the same beat reading the same scripts every single time, which is we're gonna do what's right by the business, what's right by our people. It's an and, it's never an or. So when we do have clients who are feeling really challenged, I ask what's the right thing to do for your people and what's the right thing to do for your business? There has to be an intersection there, and that's your answer. I like that. The micro moments micro are moments. powerful. And I think a lot of times, especially like on people teams, we don't put ourselves first. Never. Yeah. I was talking to Will about this. I feel like so many times inside of organizations, people teams, DEI teams, we're supposed to be the encourager. And so we're constantly giving. And I feel oftentimes the organization 
fails to remember that we too need to be encouraged. And so having Will on the team is super impactful because I see the way he's not only reminding us of that, but he's helping us prioritize ourselves. Will, when you think about this and navigating those challenges, dude, we brought you in to be like the shepherd of development, right? (laughs) How are you thinking about the way that we encourage and support the flock, if you will, known as the organization or the company? I'm going to I'm gonna say something a little bit provocative, maybe. Okay. Okay. Is that cool? That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So I talk a lot about overused strengths. I don't, I don't love the term weakness. And when you actually coach leaders, you probably know this better than me, oftentimes people are overusing their strengths. Culture is no different. People first is an amazing cultural pillar. We could talk about it all day, but like any other amazing thing, it can be overused. And when people first is being overused or used in the wrong way, what it looks like often is pleasing everybody. And to me, that's not what actual people first is. And when you have an HR team or people team that are trying to be people first and it's not working or they're burnt out, they're oftentimes operating in a please everybody mentality. Mm. Oftentimes, the best and most people first thing you can do is keep the business running, keep the doors open, keep the benefits flowing. And I, so I'll give, you an ex- I'll give you an example. I work for a company that we – delivered free lunch. That's a real thing. So all you had to do is come out of the space you're working, walk out and fill your plate with food. And I'm from the South. So I was I was so happy to do this program. I was like, we're breaking bread together. We're all going to eat. And it is something that will please everyone, right? Yeah. No, wrong. I was blown away how many people said, oh, you know, I don't like this food. Or I heard, did you know there's research that says if you serve lunch that we work longer hours? And I was like, wow, you don't have to have the free lunch. Like you could totally go off. You could do whatever you want, you know? And so I learned a lesson in it's actually not about pleasing everybody. It's trying to do the right thing. It's trying to make the best decision you can based on the external and internal environment. And I said today on a phone call to our people team, take care of yourself. Like we are so focused right now on doing what's right for the business, and oftentimes pleasing everybody, what would it look like today if you just prioritized pleasing yourself? What would that be like, doing it for yourself? That's a misconception then, right? Like the misconception is you have to please everybody to be people first. Exactly. Yep. And you've identified that that's one misconception. I think that's spot on, Will. For folks listening, what is another misconception associated with people first so we can help, you know, listeners really figure out how do they navigate Living up to that commitment, but to your point, not overusing the strength. I think building off of what Will, I love what you said, Will. I think it's so smart and it's true. And I think we can't be chief everything officers and we can't be good at everything. But it's also to build on that. It's about being honest and transparent about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Mm. Right. And that's it. And so we're serving lunches. And this is why we're doing it. And this is what we hope to gain from it. And we hope you enjoy it. And it's completely optional. It's like set the intention, say what it is, make the intention transparent, I think helps. And I think a lot of times we get into rooms, we storm and form, we come up with really good ideas with 10 stakeholders and we're like, okay, let's roll it out. And then it doesn't resonate or people are like, what about this? What about this? Or there's too much salt in that or yes. whatever it is. I heard it all by the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And so I think that to your point, it's like, maybe we need to take more of that next step and get better at also saying, hey, this is who met. This is why these people were included in the conversation. These are the things we decided to do and why. And we really hope it works. And like, let us know. And we're happy to iterate next quarter and work on it. You know, it's sort of 
engaging and being more transparent and clear, I think helps with what you're talking about. You just said something that I love though. You just said, we hope it works. That was such a, a, a human way to say that, that's authentic and says, we're learning together and we're trying this and we hope it works. Do you hope it works? It, it's like, this is what we're doing. This is absolutely the path. And I just love how you just in that small statement made it human, which is, I think, what this is all about. Yeah. yeah you're creating space for people to fail. Yes. Right. Like we're starting out with the best of intentions, but you're creating the safety that says, if it doesn't land well, we'll figure it out. Like it's okay to fail. Well, that's your original question. We're like, with all these things going on in the world, what are we supposed to do? And it's like, I don't think if all four of us sat in here, no matter how much we pretended, it would work in every context at every company mm -hmm. or resonate with every person. You're doing the bet. You're making a hypothesis based on all the things that you know. This is me talking about science. I am not the science guy, right? <laughs> You're doing that to the best of your ability based on all the knowledge you have. And then you try. And if it doesn't work, you try again. And that actually shifts culture. That creates space for vulnerability, for failure, for conflict. And I think healthy cultures have all of those things. Yeah. yeah. Forum, I'm curious. There's so many people that they have the best intentions, but the execution is flawed. Uh, I see this a lot with diversity, right? The intention that people said, oh, we're going to go hire diverse people. And then what ends up happening is they haven't created an environment where diverse people can actually thrive in that organization. Mm -hmm. What would be your recommendation to companies that are trying to figure out how do I overcome hiring and the, in, uh, the bias in the hiring process? Because a lot of the reasons why these companies don't have environments where everybody can be successful is because the hiring managers don't look like everybody. And so the process itself is flawed. What would you tell them for, I guess, encouragement on what they can be doing differently to try to overcome that type of bias in their process? Besides using Greenhouse? Besides using Greenhouse. That's a great start. Hi, you're that so is, welcome. That is a great start. I thank you for that. <laughs> assist. That was an assist and a layout. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, that's a really tough one because I, you know, I was having coffee earlier today with someone who said, we just leave the hiring to whoever wants to hire. I was like, that's interesting. Hmm. Part of it is, to your point, people have really good intentions, but there's a lack of knowledge. It's lack of self-awareness. So there's usually a lack of knowledge, a lack of process, and of lack of self-awareness. So the, one of the first things is trying to understand what are the biases that I have that I don't even know about? How do you take a blind spot that you have and build that into your awareness? If you can name it, you can do something about it. Yeah. Step one. Second part is if I don't know anything about hiring, or maybe I do it all the time, but I've done it based on what I used to know, not based on what's new, get an external perspective. Build a process that makes sense, that iterates, because we get so complacent and comfortable in how we, I do this because it works. Why fix what's not broken? And I think that's a wrong way of thinking about it. Yeah. I think the other thing is we have a very specific way of thinking. I, I see a shift now, but it's like, well, we're gonna go higher. We're gonna recruit at the top 10 colleges you get the same people at the top 10 colleges. What does having a college degree do for your organization? Is that still a necessary criteria? So often, I think it's important to ask yourself, are we doing the things we need to do because that's just how we've always been doing it or because there's a benefit to the organization? Yeah. Every year, there should be some sort of a revisit to those questions. Mm. 
I like where you're going because essentially people need to open the aperture yeah. on why are we doing the things that we're doing. I also love this idea that you've uh, laid out for listeners, which is this concept of just because you've always done it doesn't mean that you have to keep doing it that way. Uh, and to your point around the top 10 colleges, you're spot on. Like, I believe like diversity drives creativity. I believe creativity drives innovation. And I believe innovation drives revenue. Mm-hmm. And so there's this whole concept around for hiring from my perspective, which is people believe hiring diverse people is a nice to have. No, I think it's a need to have because if you want to drive profitability for your organization, you need diversity of thought. Paul, you've seen this more than anybody. I, I'm eager to get your take on this. Let me get my diversity <laughs> encyclopedia out real quick. <laughs> there's this whole concept of like when people are looking to join organizations, they're being catfished where mm. companies are saying these are their values and then you mm. get there and you find out that's not what life really is like. Mm. What would be like your your two cents for listeners that are trying to figure out how do we make sure we don't catfish candidates in the hiring process, right? So, you know, the diversity person in me is like, there's not a, a one size fits all answer, right? Like yeah. I take the, you know equity approach. There's different answers for different orgs, but I think high level, you hit it with values. I think, you know, being able to articulate your values as an organization in action with examples and then honing in on hiring, being really located around that. So if you're defining your culture through how your values are expressed, then that should be part of the interview process. I think that's like a really, really key low hanging fruit, easy process. And I think the easiest way to scaffold that is to have executives, leaders, managers, especially middle managers. And that is like a super good point you made earlier because middle managers are where culture lives in our company. Yes, They're the 100%. arbiters of it on the daily basis. I think if you have a value of people first at Greenhouse, how do people managers articulate what that means to them and how do they speak to that internally and externally should be something we're having conversations about. So I think one way is to express your values in interviews. I think the other part of it also has to do with all the job seekers out there. And I know the market's crazy and it's like a really hard time to find a job right now in some ways. I think part of it too is being in the mindset where you might have to have your needs met and so you might just have to take a job. And that's real for most of us. I think if you're in a position where you can actually ask yourself, does this fit my needs and my wants? And a lot of times culture and needing that alignment to the values and stuff lives in the wants. And I think we have to be interviewing for those things too, mm-hmm. right? I passed on two really nice job offers while I was in process to get hired at Uber because this is where I wanted to be because it's the culture that excites me because I didn't feel like it was a bait and switch because the values were part of the conversation from the first interview to the last and everything feels even 10 times more real being there. But I was real close to accepting two other offers on the way because I was like, oh, I don't know. And this is a lot of money. And, you know, you're going through all those things. But as a as someone in that process, it's like, no, I know what's right for me listening to what's right for you as the person interviewing. I think your gut is right. Trust your gut. I like that. Head and heart. Head and heart. I want to build off of something. I think the other piece around what you're sharing People first can feel like fluff to people. Mm. 
If you're trying to have real change in an organization, you have to have competencies, financial metrics, ROI tied to people-first initiatives. Let's say you're expecting your managers to be good coaches. Then there should be some sort of a competency criteria around how many people did you develop and here's what we define by development. And that becomes part of their bonus. That becomes part of their raise potentially. Now you have real buy-in because you're actually walking the walk. You have to invest the money, not just to show it or to check a box, but there needs to be proof, quantitative proof. I love that. It's super true. It's super true. What I like about that the most is I've said to people, particularly in the economic landscape that we have today, no one ever debates if you need a CFO. Like they may terminate a CFO because of bad performance or bad financial performance, but the role of a CFO is never debated because every company universally believes you need someone to shepherd finances. I feel like the same thing has to be said for people initiatives. We as people leaders have to figure out how do we make sure that the organization sees us as a need to have, not a nice to have. And so that may mean HR becoming a profit center. It may mean tying the business impacts to the initiatives that we're doing, particularly when it comes to DEI, right? We've seen 33% of that, those teams be reduced during this economic environment, but we have to tie ourselves to the business. And ultimately, to me, that's how we're able to defend why we are doing the work that we're doing, because it's not just, it doesn't just feel good, it's meaningful. I just want to say thank you to each of you for being here. It's not lost on me that we have phenomenal leaders in this room. And so, Paul, I want to say thank you. You've been a phenomenal encourager for me in my career. Forum, we've continued to build proximity here recently. And I just want to say thank you. I like what you're doing. Shameless plug, call Amalavita if you need coaching. <laughs> yes. I'm a huge believer in making sure that people are coached. And then last but certainly not least, Will, I'm so glad you're here. I know the amount of work that we're going to be able to do at Greenhouse and the impact we're going to make. And yeah, that's a wrap. Welcome to the People First Podcast. Thank you so much to Forum Chef, Paul Saidi, and Will Leahy for joining me today. And thank you to all of our listeners. Please take a moment to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. And if you really like what you heard, give the show a follow and share it with a friend. We'd really appreciate it. Special thanks to our production partner, Wonder Media Network. Our producer is Brittany Martinez. Our supporting producer is Sarah Schleed. And our production assistant is Lila Watts. Our greenhouse producer is Marnie Williams. Until next time. And remember, keep putting people first.